Hello and welcome to this podcast from Net Zero Investor. I'm Monica Woodley, and today I'm joined by Nawar Al Saudi. He is the Chief Impact Officer of Scope for Capital. Welcome, Nawar. Thank you, Monica. Happy to be with you. I'd like to start off by discussing the involving concept of impact investment. I think, you know, we've moved from seeing this, this quite clear separation of investments, which had the sole purpose of, of making money, and philanthropy, which was intended to have some sort of, of positive impact. And now we have a spectrum between these two poles that includes ESG investment, impact investment, effective altruism. Nawar, I'd be interested to understand how you see this landscape evolve during your time in the industry. And I guess if you can give us some, some definitions of the different segments as you see it, that would be really helpful as well. That's a good place to start, Monica. I think you're, you're correct in the way you describe the evolution from the kind of chargeable nature to what impact investment used to be. There was a misperception or a misunderstanding several years ago that you cannot drive impact and drive returns in a congruent way, that you had to either kind of drive impact and sacrifice returns or drive returns at the expense of the sustainability criteria of, of a specific specific investment. This theory or this idea or this worldview has been discredited over the last few years. And I would say there are, there, there are a few reasons why this is the case or why this transformation has taken place or this evolution has taken place. I believe one of the key contributors to this change of perspective is, is an evolving understanding of, uh, of capitalism and sustainable capitalism and the price of externalities in creating value. The idea that we can continue to make money at the expense of a finite planet, at the expense of society, at the expense of the environment. In a way, it's self-destructive to capitalism itself because ultimately you can't have a thriving capitalist system in a failing planet. So increasingly themes or externalities as uh, they are often called in the, in the industry are being integrated in the value creation thesis, which means to sustain returns, to create value at multiple levels, to remain relevant, you do need to incorporate other non-financial or, or at least non-immediate financial factors into your thinking. And once you go in that direction, you start to think about impact. So that's one of the reasons why we had this evolution. Another reason why we've had this evolution is that when we look at the scale of the challenge before us when it comes to issues such as climate change, it becomes clear that charitable sectors or philanthropy cannot solve a broken economic system of this scale. It, obviously, these parties or, 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 or these contributions could have an impact in, 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 in a limited, on a, in a, in a local setting or regional setting, but we do need to address challenges such as climate change at a global scale, and we need to enlist multiple participants in the financial industry and outside of the financial industry. This is a, this is a human challenge. Everybody needs to play a role, and we're starting to understand that finance can not only manage its externalities, but finance can also lead to fund solutions, because ultimately all of this all of these discussions around impact, whether it's social or environmental or climate related, require capital. Somebody has to provide this capital and somebody needs to, to earn a return by deploying this capital. So the, the, I, I, in my judgment, the industry, the finance industry has a critical role to play.
way and it has the capacity to drive change at scale. And I think this is this is this now is being accepted as mainstream thinking in terms of how investors can both manage their externalities and actually use these themes to identify opportunities and create value for their beneficiaries and their clients and their investors. Now we we talk about making an impact, but how is that actually defined? I guess if you could explain for us the, the, the concept of additionality, that would be helpful. Yeah, I think additionality is, is really important in this discussion. And, and it's, it's, it's a relatively simple concept. There's one thing you need to know, Monica, about investors. They use sophisticated terms to explain simple things, just sometimes to make themselves feel more important. But actually, additionality is, is relatively simple. So let's say, I'm going to put it in, in, in really a very relatable term. So let's say you have a cold. And usually it takes you three, five, three to five days to get better. And, and somebody give you a medication and, and they tell you, well, you know, if you take this, you'll, you'll potentially get better faster. And you take that medication as soon as you feel the cold coming up and you still get better only in three to five days. In that sense, uh, this, this medication or this intervention did not, did not make you healthier faster, it did not have an impact. It was, did not have any additionality. But if you've taken a pill and you felt better immediately the next day, then we can talk about an impact about an additionality that this medication has cut the recovery rate from three days to one day. So the additionality is two days of quicker recovery, of more productivity, of feeling better. And I think in a climate context, you can really apply a very similar analogy. Investors can only claim impact if they create additionality. So I can give you a specific example. So let's say there is a climate technology that requires funding. And if you are a, a private investor and you there and you risk some capital, you, you, you deployed this capital to support the development of that technology and that technology was to be commercialized and it, if it were to have an impact, then that's really an example, a very kind of direct example of the additionality of an investor, because without that intervention, without that investment, this technology or solution may not have been developed or adopted. So additionality is really about about comparing the baseline to what would have been compared to what, what, what happened after you invest or intervene in some fashion. Great. Now, I guess why don't we dive straight to the, the main topic, which is looking at the different ways in which um, investors can drive impact through both private and public markets. Let's start with, with private markets. What are the main ways that investors can really make an impact there? Well, for private market, there are, I would say there are two channels that investors kind of use to drive impact when it comes to climate, but also, I mean, outside of climate could be other uh, sustainability themes, but focusing on climate in particular, I would say there are two channels. The first channel is the venture funds channel. And this is a very important and critical channel for this and for, for, for the climate challenge we have because venture funds have played an important role in fostering innovation in this sector and among other sectors. And it's just by virtue of the, of the business model of venture funds, venture funds focus on cutting edge technologies or experimental technologies or concept state technologies, and they put risk capital and they do bake in in their business model a high failure rate. The fact that something looks interesting on paper, it doesn't mean that it will work in practice. It doesn't mean it's it's commercially viable. So venture funds, they do take that risk. They put this risk capital, they invest in a large spectrum of companies and technologies and 
different solutions. Some of them fail, others succeed. And, and if they do succeed and, and, and these solutions are commercialized, then they certainly can capture a very attractive rates of return. So that's, I would say, the first venue for private investors to drive impact is by funding innovation and, and fostering innovation. The second venue private investors use to drive climate impact, it would be the private equity space. And I'm kind of using this general term. It could also include private debt or private credit. But talking about private equity in general, whether it's in the equity or, or credit, in, in at this level, you're really focusing on more mature companies with steady cash flows that usually tend to be less risky and and that what, what this does is is focus the 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 impact of this segment of the private space really on stable climate investments such as you know utility scale solar or wind farms or other green infrastructure think about for example hydrogen pipelines that we do need to build because there is a a, a predictable uh, cash flow and a lot of these investments are funded with debt so we kind of match these two the in and out of of of, of cash coming in and out and, 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 and then you can drive impact by, for example, funding a wind farm that would not have been built if you did not bring the capital together and assumed obviously a level of risk to fund it. So th these are the two channels, the venture funds and the private equity, I would say the key venues which private investors drive climate impact. Okay, with that last example of, of you know, building a wind farm that wouldn't have otherwise been built, a, a clear example of, of investors providing that additionality with their investment. Now, I know looking at public markets, there is, is sometimes the criticism that there's not really the same opportunity for public market investors to have to provide that additionality. What do you think of, of, of that criticism and, and, and how pretty can public investors, public market investors make an impact? I think that's an important point to touch on because I think there is a, a gross misunderstanding of the role of public investors in driving climate impact. A lot of people perceive public investors as buying and selling shares of existing companies, and they don't understand how public investors drive climate impact. I would say this is an unfair criticism, and, and I will, I'll, I'll walk you through it in terms of why I think this is actually misunderstood. So public investors are in a position to drive immense climate impact, substantial climate impact through multiple channels, potentially a larger impact than what private investors can achieve. The first venue public investors use to drive climate impact is, is their impact on the cost of capital. When you think about a business, it's very simple. The value of a business or the value creation thesis of a business is dependent on three factors, the price of the service or product being sold, the cost of that service and the cost of capital to provide uh, this service. And the IEA actually published a very interesting piece of research a year or two years ago, analyzing the cost of uh, renewable in energy. And they, um, in their conclusion, they noted that 20 to 50% of the levelized cost of renewable energy is dependent on the weighted average cost of capital. So the average cost of capital is very important. And that's where public investors have a tremendous impact. You can think, for example, as something such as the, because for some people, maybe it's a bit esoteric when you talk about the cost of capital. It's really a question of valuation. If you drive the value of an investment higher, you lower its cost of capital. And, and that 
gives the, the that that investment or that entity or that company the capability to raise capital to fund whatever it is funding and if we're talking about the climate space that could have substantial impact and we've seen this in the electric vehicle industry I do believe public investors there had really a, a very important role to play. Public investors' interest in electric vehicle companies such as Tesla led to a, a big jump in the valuation of companies operating in the electric vehicle space that in return lowered the cost of capital for a lot of these companies and potentially changed the underlying economics for a lot of these companies. There was always been a criticism that electric vehicles are not as profitable as uh, ICE cars or internal engine cars, but uh, that focus or that leeway or that increase in valuation that public investors gave the electric vehicle space allowed this industry to scale faster than it would have otherwise and to sustain potentially a bigger loss at the outset as it reached the economics of scale required to become profitable. And that's really, I would say, a real life impact that investors can really track and see a real time over the last few years of how public investors were able to drive impact in this industry. But that's really just one example. I do believe this is going to repeat across multiple industries as investors understand the relationship between impact and the need for for a lot of these underlying solutions and technologies to scale and scale quickly so we can limit the damage from from extreme weather events and such as we as we've experienced this year. Okay. Now, um, in addition to reducing um, the cost of capital, what are some of the um, other levers public market investors can pull to drive climate impact? I would say there are two other levers that public investors can use to drive impact. One of them is is tightly connected to the first one I talked about, which is the valuation and the cost of capital, which is a signaling role. And that's an important role because even though we are talking now about public investors having impact on a set of companies in terms of valuation and cost of capital, but that that dynamic itself sends a signal to across the investment value chain. So that could basically inform the fact that public investors are focusing on a specific sector can inform private investors as to which sectors they need or companies or type of companies or technologies or solutions they need to support uh, in order to satisfy that demand. So there is a signaling role there. And then that signaling, by the way, also goes in the other direction. You could have negative signaling where public investors can shy away from a from a given sector or kind of compress its valuation and also send a signal to other participants outside of public markets that this is an undesirable sector to be in now of course there's an there's cyclicality in there there but there's also there are also strong signals that kind of goes out of the investment cycle and private investors and other entities by the way i mean it's not just private investors anybody watching public markets can kind of glean a message in, in terms of where capital is being allocated. So that's another lever. And, and, and just one final point about this lever is, is signaling to the company managements themselves that maybe their sector or their entity is in or out of favor and they may need to reflect and think about their future. And kind of building on that, then you have the other lever, which 
we've often talked about in ESG investment circles, which is active ownership, engagement that public investors use as a lever to drive impact with the companies they own as shareholders. And that happens through the venue of proxy voting, happens through engagement. There, I would say, admittedly, the results on that front have been mixed. This sector is still, or at least this, this lever is still evolving and investors are still trying to figure out the best way to drive impact. And we've seen some entities become more assertive, such what happened with the engine number one and, and Exxon and their push for that company to to commit to net zero. But this is an important part uh, of it. The, the fact that investors are shareholders, that mean they have responsibilities, they have a voice, and they could drive impact through this channel. And since many public companies are very large, when investors are successful, when public investors are successful in their engagements around sustainability, they could also have an outsized impact because they are impacting very large entities that can have impacts across the supply chain and, and across its large customer base and, um, and the geographies where, it, uh, where these companies operate. Yeah, that's a really good point. I think we definitely have seen a huge surge in, in engagement um, of, of different times, whether from proxy events or, or direct engagements trying to, to influence company management. Yeah, good point. So I, I guess it'd be interesting to find out where you think that public market investors have the edge compared to private market investors and, and vice versa. Maybe I will, I will allude a little bit to my earlier comments on the fact that private investors, specifically on the venture side, have leeway, have the capacity and the mandate to take a higher level of risk to support a promising opportunities in the climate space. They could push the envelope. They could, they could take companies that are still in the ideation stage and, and take them all the way to maturation and ultimately take them public. And that leeway, especially in a sector that is the, still in the early stage of its development. When we talk about climate solution, that's really a very large selection of technologies and solutions that spans different sectors and industries. So venture funds can kind of be very surgical and, and focus on, on early state technologies that could have an impact. And that's, by the way, what's one of the reasons why Larry Fink, CEO of BlackRock, predicted uh, that the next uh, 1,000 unicorns or the $1,001 billion companies will be climate tech companies that's a very important statement it tells you that that's big. this is this is this is one of the if we're talking about signaling that's a very strong signal that this is where investors need to look and obviously venture funds have that advantage as they could find these unicorns you know, and and nourish them and 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 ultimately profit and produce a, a handsome rate of return for their investors unlike private investors in the vc space public investors focus on companies at a higher level of maturity. Obviously, that doesn't mean these companies are not innovative or cannot kind of drive change as well, but it's uh, just the nature of public companies and public investors. Uh, they do expect these companies to to have more mature structures, more mature operational structures, more clarity about the technologies they are using, the solutions they are developing. But that's that's even though some may perceive this as a limitation, I do actually believe this to be a very important factor because once a company becomes public or taps into public markets, it could scale very quickly. Public investors are in a position, especially in, in today's world where there's so much money kind of sloshing around, public investors can provide prodigious amount of money for companies to grow and scale very, very quickly. And when it comes to climate, this is critical. This is not just about you know working and funding a technology 
technology in a lab that may have an impact in 20 years. This is about taking a technology or a solution that works today and scaling it very quickly so we can cut emissions quickly as well. This is where the public markets, public investors have a very important role to play. And I would say this is their edge. Now, having said that, there's complementarity between these two players. Mm -hmm. This is not about private versus public. Private investors can find innovation, they can fund innovative companies, but ultimately they need to hand them to public investors for uh, just starting with their business model, they need to exit these investments and they need to hand them to other investors that will take them to the next level. But while innovation is fostered at the private level, public investors can really scale these solutions and drive impact. And that's what we need. At this stage, we don't need only ideation, we need scale. And that relationship between the two is a very powerful combination. What are some of the climate solutions that you are particularly interested in right now? Where where should fund investing for impact? We're looking across a spectrum of uh, technologies and solutions. The way we look at it is we have internally divided the climate solution space into themes. Some of them are technology oriented, some are more nature oriented, such as we call it sustainable ecosystems, solutions around protecting land, around forestry, around plant-based solutions, around water management. Often when we talk about climate solutions, there is an excessive focus on technology there's this belief that technology is really the core engine. Technology have a very big role to play, but there are there are solutions that are, I would say, less technologically advanced, but they are but they are as impactful. If you think about, for example, uh, something as uh, insects, uh, insects proteins, In- insect protein are a very viable source of protein, and they could be and they are used as uh, uh, feed for uh, for cattle for animals and they have uh, a fraction of the carbon emissions uh, that are tied to the mainstream sources of, of feed for cattle. So solutions or companies or entities that are developing solutions around these innovative ideas are of interest to us. Certainly plant-based foods are of interest to us. I, and, and I'm not discounting the, the, the solutions or innovations such as renewable energy on, on the wind side, on the solar side, on, on the hydrogen economy. What we do is we look for these solutions in the public space. We look for pure companies. We use very innovative natural language processing solutions and AI solutions to actually find these companies to support them to ultimately drive impact the way I described it, by lowering their cost of capital, by engaging with them, and by sending signal that this is where capital needs to go. So we feel very, very excited as to the opportunities that uh, are open to us today on, on multiple sectors, multiple sectors and in, in, in industries across the world. That's great. Fascinating to hear about kind of the wide range of areas where investors can have an impact. Well, thank you very much for sharing your thoughts today. And I'm very happy to share that Aurora is going to be joining us for a whole series of a podcast. So um, I hope you can join us when we speak to him again next time. Thank you. Thank you, Monica. Thank you for the invitation.